You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 33, Evangelizing Within Your Parish. This week's episode is part two of a conversation about dealing with parish division. If you want to hear the first part of the discussion, listen to Episode 31. In today's show, Tom and Alan respond to a listener's question about evangelizing people within one's own parish. Tom and Alan make several key points, reminding us to tread lightly and challenging us to recognize our own continuous need to be evangelized. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. It's a great day here today. We are in studio, um, myself and Marisa, as always. We also have Mr. Tom McCabe is up from Atlanta and in Philadelphia in studio, in person, right beside me on the microphone as we speak. What's up, Tom? Hey, it's great to be here, and thanks. I'm staying at your house, and it's funny. He allows me to sleep in the closet, and he's feeding me with a slingshot. So <laughs> that's really awesome. Thank you so much, Al. I, I appreciate those little tidbits of food that you feed us. It really is nothing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, my pleasure, actually, to shoot food at you with a slingshot. It really is. <laughs> so before we get started, I want to update you guys with some pretty cool news. We have consolidated, um, we're beginning to consolidate some of our websites, and so our ascensionpresents.com website is now all under ascensionpress.com. So if you go to ascensionpress.com and from there click on the channels link up top, it'll take you to a page where our podcasts are listened. So it's the beginning of us putting all of our content under one um, website. Continue to check it out. It could, it should be continuing to evolve over the next couple of months and I'm um, looking a little different by um, the new year, hopefully. So, so check us out there. Um, if you do go to the old website, it'll redirect you to the new page, so no problem. But just wanted to let you guys know that um, that has begun. So go to ascensionpress.com and click on channels at the top of the page. All right, so a few weeks ago, we recorded an episode about about keys to communication. Tom was walking us through ways to uh, engage with somebody and speak to somebody, especially when you're in a place of conflict and um, division. And it came from an email we got from a fellow named Tom in the UK who was asking us a question about uh, division in his parish. And I'm just going to remind you guys what that quote was, so I'll just read this to you uh, real quick, this time in an American accent. I would appreciate some advice on preventing division in the church between those who consider themselves intentional disciples and those who are considered by that first group to be passive Catholics. How do we avoid judging others while still evangelizing within the church? That was Tom's original question. We did a podcast with Tom McCabe on division, personal division between people, knowing we're going to come back and do a podcast about his topic today. So Marisa and Tom both reached back out to Tom and emailed him, and Tom had had a great response back to us. And Tom, you want to share his some of what his response back? There's a lot of Tom Toms. There's a lot of Tom Toms. So yeah, so Tom McCabe here, but yeah, you're right. Uh, we did hear back from Tom in the UK, and he actually complimented your English accent, by the way. He said you actually surprisingly sounded like him. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So a shout out to you there, uh, Tom, in the UK. So here's what you wrote back to us. And you said, how can we try to encourage everyone in the parish to have a personal relationship with Jesus when we don't know what their relationship with him is like already? 
Is it helpful to know where people are at in order to effectively evangelize? Good point. So then Tom in UK also said, is it arrogant and proud of some of us wannabes or wannabe intentional disciples to be considering evangelizing to baptize confirmed practicing Catholics? Does God want us to be doing that or should we be focusing our evangelizing completely outside of the church? So let me just, that great, great point here. So let's just say you and I are in the parish working, right, Alan? And we have Marisa, our production manager here, who says is is looking like she doesn't uh, live the faith or objectively we can say she's not believing something correctly, something to this effect. So how do you and I um, discuss that, bring that to her attention, where you say, Tom, you have no, you have no right to go in there and, and say anything. You can't judge her. And yet I want to do something because I'm, I'm sensing as a brother in the Lord that I should speak to her. So there's division between you and I, not so much between us and Marisa. So I th- if I understand Tom's question, how, what should we do you know, between us and how then should we uh, charitably evangelize or catechize or enlighten Marisa? Right. Is that what you're understanding? No, exactly, because there's different ways to, um, to approach her. And, um, and we just don't really know what's going on with her, number one. So um, first, how about, how about we do this? How about first we clarify some terms for our listeners as to what um, an intentional disciple is and what a passive Catholic is? So then we had some conversation around that. Um, we're going to talk today based on these these definitions that I'm going to provide right now. So we're going with Sherry Waddell's definition of an intentional disciple. Um, Sherry, Sherry Waddell is known for her book, um, Forming Intentional Disciples. And she says that an intentional disciple, that there are three spiritual journeys that converge in someone's life. Um, the first journey, number one, will be the personal interior journey of a lived relationship with Christ resulting in intentional discipleship. The second phase or the second journey, uh, journey rather would be the ecclesial journey into the church through reception of the sacraments of initiation and the third journey is the act is the journey of active practice as evidenced by receiving sacraments attending mass and participating in the life and mission of the christian fraternity or christian community so one is basically do you have a relationship with jesus christ the second one is receiving sacraments and the third is um, what we would call like a, a practicing Catholic as far as coming to, to mass on a weekly basis and going to um, confession. Um, and she says that if you can have, even have those two, but not have the first journey, the personal relationship, and so not therefore not be an intentional disciple. And I think that's the place we find ourselves. And I think there are a lot of people out there um, in the world, I've seen it in, in a variety of parishes that have our, our daily mass goers, but what we would term as by some would call a Catholic, a, a cultural Catholic. Um, and so they kind of go through the motions, but they're not living the faith. They don't have an active um, relationship with Jesus. And so that's what Sherry Waddell says is an intentional disciple. So we're going to use that, those three journeys, those three, converti- those three converging journeys of someone to indicate they're an intentional disciple. Um, as far as a passive Catholic go, it would be somebody who doesn't have all three of those. They either are stuck in one of those journeys or two of the three, but not all three. Mm-hmm. So is that fair to is that sure. fair to say? That sounds good. That sounds fair. All right. So we see Marisa. How do we approach her? Should we approach her? And what do we do about that? So I think one thing we should keep in mind at the start, Alan, as we enter into this, when we're judging another person like this, 
objectively speaking, we can look at certain things. That there's, uh, so it's not like we can't judge uh, objective content. But the warning is this, and I think before we jump into answering Tom's question, is that the moment we start trying to pull the splinter out of somebody else's eye, we may fail to realize the plank that's in our own, first and foremost. And because, so what, what is our motivation for even bringing this up? Many times there's a spiritual pride. Oh, we're better than them. That we have to really be cautious of, number one. Number two, are we gossiping? about somebody. Oh, it's so much. We see this in everywhere. The Catholic Church is not, you know, right. to be exempt from this. We, us good Catholics, well, have you seen Alan lately? Did you know, he picks his nose. I, whatever <laughs> it is, we start bringing something. It's easy for us to want to point the finger yep. and because we want to deflect it away from us many times. Mm-hmm. So we have to be cautious and looking at what are our motives for bringing something up, looking at someone else and we say they're, they're, they're not intentional. Right. Or they're a passive Catholic, and we need to go talk to them. We need to evangelize them. That may very well be the case, but we need to look internally first. What are our motives? Which gets back to our podcast last week about kind of that discerning of what's going on. Is this a, is this a real division, or is it a perception of a division? That's why we wanted to kind of set the stage um, with that conversation first so people can walk through that with themselves and see, okay, this is something I need to address, so now how do I, how do I address it? Right, right. So I think once we understand that caution ahead of time, um, but we now we're looking at something and saying, okay, hey, we do. This person actually does not have an adequate understanding of the Eucharist, uh, what it means to be Catholic. We could go through a number of doctrines or matters of faith and morals, and we see that somebody, objectively speaking, is missing out, or they're not. They really don't have this act of faith. Should we go evangelize them? So, here are some points. Point number one. Yes, it is true that some people may not be well-formed in the faith. We see that all around us. Um, uh, or they're not as formed as us. And some may not even have a personal relationship with Christ. That is true. But that being said, um, and I'd say we may even have some obde- objective data to show this. Okay, but we must be careful in how we navigate here. I, I think really so. Um, so that we do not misjudge their commitment to Christ. Uh, lest we become the judge and we're not taking the plank out of our own eye first. So I think walk softly, walk prudently as you go forward. Point number two, let's remember this. Everybody, you and I, all of us, right, need ongoing conversion to Christ. That is so important. We all need a continual turning of heart, um, growing deeper and deeper in love. And I'll give you a quick example of this. Years ago, I was um, applying for a position, a, a diocesan director of youth ministry. And as part of the search committee, there was a person on the, on, on the committee, and I was talking about how we all need to be catechized, re-catechized, evangelized. And um, we all need to, need to continue to be exhorted in the faith. And I had this person who said, do you mean to tell me that I need to be evangelized? And I said, sister, it was another, I said, <laughs> sister, that's, that's precisely what I am telling you. And she took great um, odds against that, great contention. And she so then was opposed to me getting this job. Thank goodness there were other people on the search committee that, that agreed with what I was saying. But uh, she was vehemently opposed to the idea that she needs to be continually evangelized in the faith. And I think if I'm not continually, so to speak, evangelized in my marriage, if I'm not yeah. constantly wooing my wife and falling deeper in love with her and being more enamored by her and vice versa, we probably aren't working at our relationship. I mean, that's part of what it means to be in love. It's, it's a deeper journey. And so keeping that in mind here, that 
if we're saying this about somebody else, let's make sure we're looking at the plank in our own eye by saying, am I continually being evangelized, recatechized, formed deeper and deeper into the mystery of Christ? Yeah, I just I just want to say for the record, like, please don't stop evangelizing me. Like, I know that I need to be constantly evangelized. I mean, I know um, all of us do as to um, who we are. I'm a child of God. I wake up every morning and, and, and start my day reminding myself of that because it's so easy to get off track and start to think about other things and identify as anything other than I'm a son of God. So uh, using Sherry Waddell's three at levels, we may say we are we are intentional disciples, you and I, but I could... Content. I'm sure there's uh, a couple of saints that would look at us and say, oh, you got a long way to go, pal. <laughs> Alan and Tom, my goodness, look at those guys. Which there's objectively, that's probably very true that I, we need to. Con- so if we have that mindset constantly that we ourselves need to be continually evangelized and we may know the faith, we may know the doctrine. Someone doesn't need to recatechize us, so to speak. Right. I think then we may be in a better place to be able to say, yes, okay, now we are in a place where we can go. So I think if we understand that, then we can move on, right? Um, that, so with that in mind, we realize that everybody needs ongoing conversion, a turning of heart. Here's point number three, uh, and it's this. Um, uh, it's sort of to bring clarity to this previous point. Uh, many of us, perhaps all of us, can get stagnant in our relationship, and as can the other people, the person that we're looking at objectively, right? Um, and we all maybe need to continue to, to grow deeper and understand our faith um, deeper. So if we if we realize that okay now we're at a place where we're saying yes uh, we should go talk to this person. The question the question is how do we go do it? So in answering Tom's question, right? Um, yeah, should we just stay back all the time and not do anything? Uh, Alan, I would say no. We have an obligation in some respects. So long as we're not going in there to like I'm just going to correct. I'm going to rectify this person. Right there. That's the real danger. If I am not open to you actually helping me grow in my faith walk, then I've made myself an island in my faith, right? All of a sudden, I think I've arrived in some way. And, and that's not Catholicism. Right, right. Jesus sent them out two by two, not not as lone rangers out there. And so we're called to live this live this life in community and walk together. Right. So if, we, if we're coming from that spirit of openness, wow, then, then I think we're at a place where we can, you know, we can speak to somebody. Then I think the next step, maybe after the break, we could talk, well, then how do you go about doing this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Let's do that. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back and and follow up. Stay with us. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, and we're back. So we've been talking about this uh, hypothetical, fictitious situation where Tom and I um, are seeing Marisa and we think that um, we see her living different than we're living or maybe doing something uh, contrary to what we feel like she should be doing. So how do we... Let's let's apply this scenario to um, Tom UK's question of if there's a group of people who who really believe they're living as intentional disciples and they're in a in a parish where they feel like some of the pe- folks in the in the parish are not doing this they're just coming for uh, kind of going through the motions how do you keep from a judging them and how do you um, approach them and begin to try and find like we talked about last week some unity between the two uh, groups if you will 
Right. So um, the question is, shows, should we be evangelizing those who are within the fold, right? Uh, who may be lapsed in some way. And, uh, yes, I think we absolutely should be evangelizing them. So this is more of a pastoral question, right? Um, uh, we should just like you and I should be evangelizing each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I guess the question then is how should we go about doing this? Right. Because that's where our division might be. Maybe once we realize it and we don't feel like we've been judging this person falsely, uh, but we say, maybe there's something we should do to evangelize them because I am thinking this about you, Alan, and you should be thinking that about me. How can I take Tom d- into a deeper relationship with Christ in a loving way, not in a judgmental, prideful way? Um, and if that's the, the openness that we have, then we just have to trust that however we say it, Marisa will, will receive it, okay? Mm-hmm. So here, here's a few things that come to mind. How should we do it? First, very carefully, <laughs> yeah. right? Tread lightly. Yeah, tread lightly. And, I, and what I mean by that is we tread with care, with humility, with love, with purity of intention, for sure. And so um, would you say our questioning then, Alan, should be gentle, right? Sure. Uh, it should be kind, um, patient, so you're listening, but also being very transparent with them regarding who you are and maybe your own struggles. I think that's key, that you're not saying, I have arrived. You're sharing your journey through this process as well. So I think that's something we should really keep in mind. Yeah, and even maybe even inviting them into your your circle or into your fold or inviting them to go get, you know, go get a beer together or something so you begin to have that common ground um, to talk upon. And so you, it seems like once you get to know somebody and you kind of see where they're coming from, the division might might go away because you could be there might not be a division there once you understand where they're coming from. Exactly. That's a great point that, that you, all of a sudden you realize what I thought was there really wasn't, isn't there at all. And so we're the ones that are enlightened in a sense. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, once we've done this, I, I'd say next you go without presumption, without as much presumption as possible. You move forward without judging another person's character, right? Uh, without any kind of spiritual pride and intellectual pride, and I've said this before, thinking that the other person has not arrived to my level of awareness, my level of intimacy with Christ, um, you know, my level of understanding the faith, all that, which obje- we've already recognized objectively they may not be there, but we, it's, the pride is the issue there. Um, so he, I think here's the next point. Um, we must speak more about our own need for redemption. You're, those of us who are speaking to this, this other person, our own need for Christ, our own discoveries and, and who he is and what he's doing in my life, how he's healing my brokenness, my woundedness. The day I realized what the real presence means. So you're not saying, hey, you're not doing it. He, here's what I realized. And I realized what I wasn't understanding correctly. And now I understand this. Wow, have you ever thought about that? So we're coming from that approach on what Christ has done in my life and how he has changed me, not he needs to fix you. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. So if we're kind of recapping what we, what we just said, first we, we, we go with humility, with care, with transparency, vulnerability, um, inviting them to our fold, our community, that sort of thing first. Then we share from our personal experience or what we came to realize Right? So it's not pointing fingers at them as much as if we're kind of pointing fingers at ourselves mm-hmm. um, and, and bringing them to that, to that place. Um, 
Did I miss any? I don't think so, but I would say on that point, I would say if, if we are, if people are living truly as disciples, it's, it's number one, it's infectious and it's, it's contagious. And so if you are just simply doing that, hopefully your mere presence and is going to be infectious is going to spread to them. And another thing, if, if you invite them into your, if you invite them into your folder, into your group, and they're not, they're not willing to come go into, you know, Ask them if it's okay to join them in what in what they're doing. Um, you know, begin to to seek unity. Begin to seek common ground and get to know each other. So if you're, you know, rather than than sitting in your um, uber Catholic group and complaining about how another group doesn't seem as uber as you are and and talking about them, just go and and visit with them and start talking with them and start get to know them and start to bridge those gaps and build those relationships and those conversations will hopefully organically kind of come up and then you can begin to talk about these things and we can get to the the heart of it is just get to know that person charitably build a relationship and then see where they're at i'm reminded of the story you told me a couple nights ago without going into all the details but uh our listeners may not know you you just took on a job on the part-time as a youth minister at a parish and you had your kickoff night one of the teens who you hadn't met before came up to you at the end and just started opening up their heart to you uh, with the way in which they are living. And it would have been easy for someone just to, be, to blast them or to say, oh, what you're doing is wrong. Um, without understanding the whole context of the journey that this young person was going through and your response to this young person is, I, I don't know if I have all the answers right now, but you just got to know that you are a child of God yeah. and I will walk this journey with you. I mean, that spoke volumes to me, Alan, when you were telling me that that would have been a perfect place where you're seeing this young person and, and you can objectively say this and this and this about this person. But they were coming to you seeking some answers um, and not, not knowing much, but your response was, let me find out about you. And you were willing to go to where they are, understand who they are, and your words to this uh, person was, let me, I'll walk this journey with you. Yeah. Yeah, which my I'll be honest, my first my first um, you know internal response was really on the first night like I'm just getting things in place and now you want me to do ministry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we haven't even kicked off middle school yet. I'm not <laughs> exactly. ready for ministry yet. But it's like no, no, no. This is this is what it, it really is about right here. It's not about the life night. It's not about the edge night. It's about this person struggling with this concern, issue. this issue, and wanting someone to talk to you about it and walk with them. So I got, I got lucky. I think I got that one right. You did. <laughs> Holy Spirit <laughs> intervened. Absolutely. Thanks for the, uh, the affirmation there. Um, the Holy Spirit definitely intervened. So to wrap up, we've talked about how we should approach somebody with charity and love and purity of heart um, and why we should do that. I just want to mention real quick as we wrap up that the risk of going about this in a way that's not charitable, about going at, about it in a way that's, that's harsh or, or judgmental or condemning is, is, um, is probably painfully obvious, but it, it's going to cause more division. It's going to cause a hardness of heart. People are going to feel judged. They're going to think that you're, you're holier than thou, and they're, they're probably just going to shut down and build up a wall and not allow any communication um, to happen there. And so it's just so vitally important that you go about it with charity and love and seeking to be uh, to understand first before being understood, then we will begin to build those bridges. We will begin to see um, unity between um, various groups and we can come together and kind of um, help each other along in this journey of holiness. So last thing I want to say is Tom also asked about, is it important to know the stages of discipleship? And I don't want to go in them 
um, take the time now because it's really it's in Sherwoodell's book, and I think it's vitally important to know those stages, especially when you're evangelizing somebody outside of the church or and within the, the the church. But she goes through these five thresholds of conversion that are eye-opening to me about somebody going from curiosity to intentional discipleship, and I could I could walk through them now, but it would just take unpacking. So I would just encourage you to to look those up online um, or or to get her book and, and check it out. Um, it's very helpful, but I think it's vitally important to see where somebody is. So that you know how to, what conversations need to be had and how to approach them to kind of take them to the next level um, or the next threshold, I should say, of conversion. So Tom in the UK, I hope that was was helpful. Um, Tom McCabe in the USA, it's been great to have you here. Um, we both need to jet out to um, other meetings. So we're going to leave you with that. Tom in the UK, if you have other questions, please um, let us know if we didn't touch anything or if that didn't answer and we will do this again. Um, everybody else out there, not everybody else, you too, Tom, and everybody else, and everybody listening, everybody, and everybody, we love you, we're praying for you, please pray for us, have a great week, and we will see you next time. Peace.